in the tallest trees to the human life of you and me from the desert sands to the place we stand he is god of all he is everything do you pray with me Holy Spirit, that's our prayer this morning. Um, would you open our ears and uh, open our minds that we would receive your word? Uh, would you prepare our hearts, O oh God, to accept your word? Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Good morning. Will you please stand as we read Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God your ancestors promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, it, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them in your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank you so much for a new day, for um, the opportunity to come here to church to worship you. We pray that you open our hearts to hear the word uh, that you are preaching through Pastor Mike. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Weltners. Thank you, team. You can be seated. Welcome to Encounter Church. How is everybody doing? Yes, it's kind of like the, just the, the pre-fall feel this morning. I kind of like it. Uh, it's good. Uh, just a couple of personal announcements for us. Uh, thank you for everybody who came out and helped us move. Uh, yesterday, you made our work light. Um, when we moved here uh, from, from Victorville, we did it in one like fell swoop. We got the moving company to come down. And that's what I would recommend. That would be my recommendation. It was just like one day that just wore you out, you know. We've been moving for the last two weeks, so we've had like 14 days that are wearing you out. And so, uh, man, I'll be glad when we are settled in. But thank you guys for all your help yesterday. It was super cool to see the church come together. We had too, much, too many trucks, too much food, too much fun. It was great. And so thank you guys for helping us out. In your bulletin, there is one thing I want to bring to your attention. Uh, we have on September 14th, we are hosting a diversity event here at Encounter. Uh, we believe that God's kingdom is uniquely diverse, and, and Jesus's, one, one of Jesus' prayers before he ascended into heaven, he prayed to the Father that we would be united as a culture. And uh, God's kingdom is extremely diverse. We're living in a culture today where we seem to be very polarized when we come to talk about diversity in our nation. And uh, so we have put together our, with our denomination through uh, some of our networks, Acts 29 and the Gospel Coalition. Uh, we are hosting this diversity event. We've got some dynamic speakers coming.
coming. We've got a spoken word poet that's going to come and, and, and bless us with four different uh, spoken word poets. It's just going to be really awesome. Um, La Esperanza is coming, and they're going to do a diverse worship set in English and Spanish. It's going to be really neat. And so this is a free event for, for our family. And uh, for anybody who wants to come, and lunch will be served as well. And so uh, that is September 14th. Uh, it is a Facebook event right now where you can go and sign up for it. I encourage you that, uh, uh, to go ahead and sign up for that and join us on that day. It'll be from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. It'll be a Saturday. Uh, but I'm, I'm cer- certain that God is, is going to move powerfully in and through this uh, one-day conference, and we want to invite you to that. Amen? Sound good? I don't know what I just did to my iPad, but there it is. Okay, good. All right. Well, thousands of years ago, God put into place 10 basic values that can make a difference in everybody's life. We are in week seven of a series that we have called Faith, Family, and Freedom. Uh, we have, we have, our aim is to, take, to, to get back to some basic family values using the Ten Commandments. This series applies to everyone, whether you're single or married, whether you're widowed or divorced, whether you're a traditional family or a blended family, whatever the case, this series is for you, especially when we're talking about the subject that we're going to talk about today. The Seventh Commandment is to, that you shall not commit adultery. We, in our opening scriptures today, uh, we, and this has kind of been a theme verse for this series is in Deuteronomy, uh, God tells us to, to, to examine the Ten Commandments and write them on our hearts, write them on our doorposts so we can see them coming and going. We should teach them diligently to our children. Uh, if you have a child here in Sunday school, we are teaching them about the values of the Ten Commandments. I, I, I assure you, it is a rated G version today. Uh, but the value of, of, of relationships and, and sexual purity is the, the topic that we're going to talk about today. Uh, it is rated PG. I promise I'll keep you that. But if you have a young one that you don't want in the service today, maybe this is the time to take them to Sunday school because we're going to be talking about this in detail. <clears throat> When we talk about the Ten Commandments, I, I, was, I, was, heard, I, was, I was talking to one of our elders this morning, and, and we, were talk, we were talking about the Ten Commandments. These are rules. These are, these are commands that God has called us to. to, to and, and rules are, are interesting. Laws are interesting. Either we will see them as uh, protective and for our own good, or we will see them as restrictive. I assure you that the Ten Commandments are for our own good. If you're approaching an an on-ramp on an interstate, wouldn't you think that the the signs there that says don't come here or don't come there are for your own good? That double yellow line is actually for our own good, right? It's not because the, the, the government wants to keep you from having fun. It's actually because the government wants to keep you safe. And the Ten Commandments are just that. It's not restrictive as much as it is protective and for our own good. It is wise to remember that God knows what's best for us and he has given this command to us to guide us for our own good. So let's get started and talk about command number seven. You shall not commit adultery. As, we be, as I began working on this message this morning, I, or this week, I knew that just the mention of this topic could bring some pain to, to, one of, to each of us. Because there's hardly anybody that is living that, that hasn't had uh, sexual immorality or adultery touch them in some way. Whether it was personally, 
or maybe it was from a family member that that caused a divorce in your home um, Whatever the case may be, my heart goes out to you, to anybody who has suffered from the heartbreak and the devastation brought about by, by someone violating this command. And I know for some, this message has the potential to resurrect some painful memories. Um, many have experienced anger and guilt and shame and absolute heartbreak from people that have violated this command. And I'm sincerely sorry about your experiences. That's exactly, but, but, but that's exactly the reason that we need to be talking about this. It's exactly the reason that God put this command in there. And my hope is that we can help people avoid making this decision that has such a catastrophic effect on our own hearts. It has such a devastating effect on, upon our own families. And God has given this rule for our own good, this command for our own good, to avoid these things. Our focus this morning is not also on the past, it is on the future. I pray that you'll know that through Christ there is healing, there is hope, there is forgiveness, there is grace, there is mercy, there is power to overcome the devastating effects of adultery as well. But God has given us certain boundaries in our lives to live by, and human be but human beings are like amazingly creative when it comes to finding ways to get, to like work outside of those boundaries. Paul David Tripp, we talk a lot about him. Uh, we, we love some of the, uh, most of the stuff that he comes out with, right? Pretty much all the stuff. He says that we all have this inner lawyer in us that are constantly defending our, our sinful actions. And we have the tendency to rationalize and, and make, make light of our sin or, we're, or just master, we're just kind of masters at justifying our sin and making decisions and behaviors acceptable. Rather than trusting uh, uh, God that he is right, uh, we, we tend to justify our own actions. And I want to caution us from that. It's wise to allow God's word to shape our lives. His commands are good. And I want to begin by saying that God uh, is not against sex. He actually invented it. That he has invented this. It is a gift from him. It is a very good thing. And when enjoyed within the proper boundaries... It will, it's always good. Some, will, some say that, that sexuality is like a fire. Take a look at this on the screen. A campfire. Doesn't that look awesome? My, my wife loves campfires. Uh, just the warmth of it. Campfires actually draw people in. They, they're, they're warm. They're inviting. And, and they're, they're awesome to be around, right? Uh, fire is a wonderful thing within some certain boundaries. But take a look at this. A house fire. Suddenly that which was good within the proper boundaries is absolutely devastating outside of its boundaries and, and our sexuality is just like that. That what God has intended for good when it is out of the boundaries, when it is out of his boundaries, it can become devastating. It can wreak havoc on our life if it is not controlled. It's similar like to water. Water is a wonderful thing and, and we, can't, we cannot live without it but you, too much water and you can drown, right? We have to be careful on how we handle this gift of sexuality. Properly controlled and expressed within the context of a marriage can be an absolutely beautiful thing. But outside of marriage, it's destructive and detrimental to our health, to our spiritual life, to our mental life, to our physical life. If you've ever gone down this road, you know how devastating it can be 
physically, mentally, socially, emotionally, and spiritually. Most of the 90s, and I come from experience, most of the 90s was just radical for me. And I did things that I am absolutely ashamed of. But thankfully, we have a Savior that God even looked upon those things. He knew all those things were going to happen, and he still moved in my direction to give me forgiveness and grace and mercy. What, what he has done amazingly is he has also brought about restoration, healing, and hope. It's been an amazing thing. So I want to encourage you that if you've ever gone down that road, there's hope for us. You see, what God has intended for good, Satan wants to destroy God uses the gift of sexuality and intimacy to build a marriage, but Satan takes that same gift and he wants to pervert it. He'll try to twist God's gift and use it to destroy our marriages and our relationships and our families. The Bible says this, it says, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all sexual immorality. Nobody has to tell you that our culture uh, seems to view sexual immorality as a thing of the past. But God views sexual uh, and, and moral uh, uh, values quite clearly. And, and his values has, have, have not changed. We live in a world that, that basically says or anything goes. Like anything goes in our culture today. Some would ask the question, who, who cares what God says? The Bible is old-fashioned. Clearly God doesn't still think this way. I mean, everybody accepts it, and everybody is doing it. The voice of the culture is speaking louder than ever, family. And they're saying, anything goes. I'll do what I want to do, because it's all about me. I will deny myself no pleasure at all. I'll do anything. Why should I allow God to dictate my values? It's my life. I'll do what I want. It seems that promiscuity is the norm for today. I mean, they have apps that you can get on and just hook up with any random stranger at any given time. And it just seems absolutely acceptable. But just because something is acceptable in our culture doesn't make it right. Amen? It doesn't make it right. The media has done an outstanding job of desensitizing human beings on issues of morality. And we in the church need to bring them back, believing that they are good that they are for our own good. And it'll build society, not tear it down. It'll be a warm, welcoming campfire and not a house fire. We need an anchor. We need to know the truth. And today I want to point you in the direction of Jesus and the timeless, unchanging truths that is found in the Word of God. We live in this world that is absolutely obsessed about sex. And we have to, we, we, it's no surprise that sex is used to sell everything from cars to hamburgers. Some would say that the world has always been like this, and I would agree to, to a degree. But I think that multimedia has just expounded on this and made this such uh, uh, right in front of us that it's hard to even escape it. I would say that we, that, we're, that we are also talking about sexual immorality a whole lot more these days. And it seems as if we're just getting desensitized. There's hardly a TV or a movie screen that, that, uh, they, that, uh, that has all this just plastered in front of us. Uh, we can't escape it. It's hard. I want to remind you today that as followers of Jesus Christ, we have been called to sexual purity. 
And sexual purity in the church has always been directed to our youth. But I would say sexual purity is directed to every Christian, not just our youth. You don't stand much of a chance today uh, remaining sexually pure if, if you don't get some boundaries and establish some clear guidelines to sexual purity. And so if you're following along in your bulletin, we've included these, these things for you to fill in. Sorry, we're, uh, we don't have the TV here, but uh, if you're listening at home, uh, we will put this on uh, the, I'll put all my notes on the uh, website. But if you're following along, if you want to honor uh, this basic family value when it comes to sexual purity, the first thing we can do is this. We can make a commitment to live according to God's standards for sexual and moral purity is the word. You can write in. Regardless of our past sins, our past mistakes, our past failures, you can make a commitment today to uphold God's standards of sexual purity from this day forward. There is forgiveness for your past mistakes. You don't have to live in the guilt and the shame of the things that you have done. You could actually make a decision now. You can believe in faith in Christ that he has taken all of your guilt and all of your shame to the cross and you don't need to, to, to be guilty or shameful over it anymore. That you can receive the forgiveness. This is the beauty of not just being forgiven. It's more than just fire insurance, if you will. It is being freed of the guilt and shame. Jesus was shamed enough for your and my sin. And he went to the cross 100% paying the price for your guilt. And he took all of your sin to the grave. Three days later, he rose from the grave, proving that he has victory over Satan's sin and death. And your sin has been forgiven and washed away the, one, the moment you put your faith in him. And so you don't have to wallow in that guilt and shame anymore. You can, you can come to Jesus freely. You don't have to be ashamed to come to Jesus because he's already accepted you. He's already forgiven you. He's already cleansed you. Regardless of your past sins, your past mistakes, your past failure, you can make a commitment today to uphold to God's standards of sexual purity from this day forward. And that basically means that you agree with God what he says about sex. The Bible says that sex is, is, is for married people only. That sex is not before marriage. It is not outside of marriage. Sex is to be enjoyed in the confines of a faithful and committed marriage relationship. The psalmist asks this question. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Then he gives the answer, by living according to your word. You see that? Are you willing to make a foundational commitment today to live according to God's holy word, to his standards in life, and become sexually and morally pure? You can do that today through the power of the Holy Spirit. The path to purity is not found in our culture. It's not found in the standards of social, uh, uh, society or secular media. It's found in God's word. When you live according to God's word, you will, you will know that adultery is never an option. You'll know that sex outside of the confines of a marriage is never the option under any circumstances. There's a great story in the book of Genesis. Uh, uh, Nicole had taught this to our kids in summer day camp, and I promise you again, it was the rated G version. But it was a story of Joseph. His, his own brother sold him into slavery, and when he grew up to be a young man, the wife of the captain in the palace guard uh, attempted to seduce Joseph. 
The full story is in Genesis 39, if you want to read it. Joseph could have made every kind of excuse to give in to the temptation. I'm young, I'm single, I'm in a foreign country, nobody will know what I'm doing, it's all good, I want it, she wants it, I desire it, why not? Let's do it. But instead in giving, uh, uh, of giving in to this temptation, look at what Joseph said in Genesis 39.9. He says, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? What a wonderful example. I would love to hear our youth, our people, our whole church go, no, I can't do that. How can I do this wickedness and sin against my God? Holy Spirit, please convict our hearts of this. And may we have this, this same confession. The Bible says that, he was, that Joseph was tempted and he, and he turned and he ran away. This is a great strategy for dealing with sexual temptation. Run. <laughs> run. It, just, just run. It is constantly in front of us. It is constantly going to be asked of us. It is constantly going to be hang, hanging in front of us. Run. Joseph runs. Perhaps you've been toying with the idea of sleeping with a person. And maybe, maybe this is why you're here today. That God wants to tell you, no, don't do it. It's going to wreak havoc on every, it's going to wreak havoc on your life. It's going to wreak havoc on every other relationship. And it's going to drive a wedge between you and your God. Run. Just run from it. Listen, don't be afraid to tell people that you have chosen to live by God's standards. Do you tell your kids that? I have grown kids. My youngest is 21 years old. But we would tell them, like, hey, don't be afraid to use mom and dad as an excuse. Right? Just, just, just tell your friends, nope, dad says I got to go home. Right? Dad says I got to do this. We have that little text, call me, call me mom. <laughs> call me. And, say, and, and, and so the emergency calls, right? And so we'll just, oh, Stephen wants me to call. Hey, what's up, buddy? Uh, you need to get out of that situation? Yep. Okay, you need to come home now. We got an emergency. We got an emergency, right? See, God is the same way. He doesn't care if you use him as an excuse. Use God as your excuse. I am trying to live a holy life. I want to honor God with my life, and I'm not going to go down this road. And then turn and run. Run. Amen? You guys awake? Yes. I've had plenty of coffee today. We've been moving for those 14 days. Trust me. Uh, Starbucks has got my ticket punched every time I'm there. But let people know that you have made a commitment to be faithful to your husband or wife. You can start that even before you're married. If you're single or dating, let people know that you're committed to be faithful to your future husband and wife, if that's what God has for you. You could be faithful to your future spouse right now. I've said this before, and, and I even counsel this when I'm, when I'm coaching uh, young college-age students. I'm like, you know, I understand the temptation. I understand the, the feelings that you are feeling. We all feel it. I understand that it's everywhere. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to journal. I want you to begin to pray and journal and write through this and just start praying uh, for your future spouse. I don't want you to obsess over them. Like, oh, uh, you're blonde hair and blue eyed or bald headed and blue eyed. <laughs> 
But, but I just want you to just, I want you to be honest with the struggle and journal and pray, God, keep me safe. God, give me the strength. God, help me through this. Pray for my future spouse. Keep him or her pure too, Lord. Be with them in the struggle. Give them strength when they're tempted. God, provide the way out. And write it down. Just write it down. And what a wonderful wedding gift that you can give your future spouse. Like, I've been praying for, 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 for God to keep me pure for you. I've been praying for you. Didn't even know you. But I've been praying for you. That can be an amazing, that's better, that's, that's the best wedding gift you can give your spouse. You can become faithful now. If you're married, you can still commit to being pure. Make sure that this commitment is non-negotiable. Make a commitment to God, to your spouse, to yourself, that you will live your life according to God's holy standard. The second way we can honor God's standard is uh, when it comes to sexual purity is this. Number two in your bulletin. Consider the consequences of sexual sin. We hardly ever consider the consequences in the middle of what we're doing. After we have made the decision and then after we've walked into that, Remind yourself of the devastation, the heartache, the heartbreak, and the destruction that can be caused by sexual sin. The Bible says this, that, but a man who commits adultery lacks judgment. Whoever does so destroys himself. You can believe that. Sexual sin leaves permanent scars. I can't tell you how much regret I have seen in regards to sexual sin in my, in my tenure of ministry. I know of nothing else that damages relationships even more than this. I've seen also a tremendous healing that can only come from uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, where there's people just being selfless and trusting in the cross for those people who have made, you know, because here's the deal. Sexual sin is not the impardonable sin. So there is healing and hope. There's forgiveness and mercy. There's grace. There's restoration after this. We're hearing that loud and clear, aren't we? And that's good news because I don't know anybody who, who hasn't been touched by this in some way. So there's kids today that are just so angry at their parents because one has strayed and, and caused a division in their home. The gospel is the answer for that. The good news about Jesus Christ is the answer to that because God has died for your parents. And he rose again to give them new life beyond adultery. There are some people that are angry at themselves that just can't get over the guilt and shame. Hear it today, that God died for your sin and he rose to give you new life. Solomon warns us in the book of Proverbs, he says this, for a prostitute can be, can be had for a loaf of bread, but another man's wife preys on your very life. One translation says, adultery will cost a man all he has. Do you remember in our series, This Is Us, about uh, the story of Esau and Jacob? Esau was so hungry that he sold his birthright as an inheritance for a bowl of stew. I've known people today that have given up a wonderful life for a few moments of sexual pleasure. And this is what, he, like Esau was so hungry, he was willing to give up his whole birthright for just some temporary belly filling. And there are people in this room today that will give up their families, they'll give up their, 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 their relationships for, for five minutes of pleasure. Think about that. 
I've been married to Sheila for over 15 years. We've been together for 21 years, right? Something like that. I'll, I'll get that right. Let, I'll, let me edit that. Watch this. Take two. I've been... <laughs> teasing. I've committed to, to uh, be faithful, and I intend to be faithful to my wife forever. Um, I've made that commitment for many reasons. And I want you to consider some of these reasons too. Um, first, because I love Jesus. Um, I owe Jesus my life. I know who the man I used to be. And Jesus chose to save me. And to give me a new life. When it comes to this commandment, I am the chief of sinners. But God took all of that into account. And he chose me. And for that, I love him. And I intend to be faithful because I love Jesus. Jesus says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask my father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. I also know that I can't do it on my own. But I love Jesus even more that he has given us the power. He's given us the spirit to, to help us uh, uh, fight off the temptation and stay committed to my wife. I've also made this commitment because I love my kids. I love my wife. I, I love her. I, I, I intend to be faithful to her because I love her. I cannot imagine inflicting so much hurt upon her or my kids. I've also made this commitment because I love you guys. I love this church. I'd never want to, to do anything to tarnish the witness of, of Jesus Christ and to, to put anything in the way of the mission. And finally, I've made this commitment because I fear the judgment of God. I think a healthy fear of God seems to be absent in, 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 with the people in the church today. But sin has consequences, and we have to know that. Its impact is broader than you might think. The Bible says this, he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that, that will he re also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Everything sin touches dies. Everything sin touches dies. And when our sin uh, uh, touches our, 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 our relationships, it will be the death of our marriages. But everything sin touches dies, including our Savior. And his, his, this, his death uh, made a way for us to have new life in these areas. Adultery is ultimately about one thing. It's about selfishness. Adultery is not about love. It's about selfishness. It's about saying, I'm going to do what I want to do, regardless of what God says. Adultery is rooted in selfishness, like most sins are. Uh, the, selfishness, the selfish person, by their acts, are saying, God, I don't care what you say. I don't care what this is going to do to my husband or to my wife. I don't care what this is going to do to my family. I don't care what this is going to do to their family. I don't care what it's going to do to their other relationships. I just want what I want. It's basically saying, forget God, forget his word, forget my spouse, forget my family, and everyone else that this is going to affect. 
That is selfishness of its highest order. Make a commitment to God's standards to avoid the consequences of violating the seventh commandment. The third thing we can do to honor God's standard when it comes to sexual purity is this. Plan to preserve and protect, that's the word, your, family, your marriage. We're called to make our marriage the highest priority. A healthy marriage is a powerful deterrent to adultery. A healthy marriage, just, and, and healthy marriages don't just happen. Somebody said that, that all marriages are made in heaven, but they got to be maintained on earth, don't they? They got to be worked. When you stood before your pastor or the judge or whoever officiated your wedding, you committed your life to another person in marriage until death do you part. It was a commitment of an exclusive relationship. Jesus says, when, or, or God says in his word, that, that the two shall become one flesh. And let no man separate that one flesh. And so anything that comes in the middle of the oneness of your marriage, be careful. Healthy relationships are built by, by each person de deciding to, uh, to put their needs of the spouse above, above their own, or ahead their own. This kind of relationship is God-honoring, it's healthy, and it will bring fulfillment. But it just doesn't happen by itself. It takes work. You've got to nurture it. You've got to work it. You've got to put time and energy and commitment into it. I mean, Sheila is my best friend, and I want to spend our, the rest of our lives together, so I need to make meaningful deposits in our relationship, don't I? I need to put her above everything else. That hasn't always been the truth, but thankful our, our house is filled with grace and love, too, and forgiveness. But if I expect us to, 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 to grow in any fashion or, or to, to be nurtured in any fashion, then we've got to spend some time. The decision to preserve and protect your marriage involves the, uh, many individual commitments. The fourth thing that we can do to honor our, our God's standard uh, when it comes to sexual purity is, is commit to guarding my thoughts. Commit to guarding my thoughts. Regardless of the temptation, the, the battle begins in your mind. Every adulterous affair begins with a thought. I think that will be good. I think I should do this. Look how enticing that is. Maybe I should say hi to that person. Maybe I should uh, get a little closer. Maybe I should take them out to lunch. Maybe I should... Every adulterous affair begins with a thought. James tells us this in, in his epistle. He says, each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to what? Death. I wonder how it would be if, uh, if, if every uh, dedicated follower of Christ were serious about guarding their minds and avoiding temptation. Some of us like to toy with this and just kind of get on the line and see how far we can go. I've been asked that. How, hey, hey, Pastor Mike, how far is too far? I mean, if that's your question, you're just trying to get away with the most you can. Honestly. God's standard is the line that we need to draw. There is a right way to handle temptation. The battle starts in your mind. The Bible says this, I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. It's kind of sad that even in the church today, this is exactly the opposite that uh, 
We're more knowledgeable, more knowledgeable about what is evil and ignorant about what is good. It's interesting. It's sad. It's bringing the church to, to down and not up. Families are still being separated. The divorce rate in, in, the, in, in, in church are, are just as high as the divorce rate in the secular world. And this is the primary cause. The second one is money. Adultery and money. Isn't that crazy? Not to Jesus. He said it. Be careful about the things you watch, the things you read, the things you listen to. Be careful about what you put into your heart and to your mind. Some of the things that Christians profess, uh, 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 that professing Christians actually watch are just crazy. Uh, I remember going to, uh, or hearing statistics from a conference once that, that the Christian conference was in town and the porn rate was higher than, than any other uh, usage in, in hotels in any other time. It's an epidemic. What we do in secret, God knows. There are things that, that, you, that you shouldn't do, places that you shouldn't go, and things that we shouldn't see because they fuel thoughts of temptation that leads to sin, as James said. If you're wise, you will do everything you can to guard your thoughts. The fifth thing that we can do to honor God's standard, and this is the uh, last one, I believe. The fifth thing that we can do to honor God's standard when it comes to sexual purity is I can preserve and protect our marriage by committing to maintain healthy emotional and physical boundaries. To assume that that's, that's, we just need some real boundaries around us, don't we? I love the, uh, the analogy. I don't like them, but you know the, the leashes on kids, right? right? So you don't lose your kid. Have you seen those? I think that we need some leashes, man. That as soon as it gets, oh, and we need to be, and we just need God to pull us back with the standards. But to assume that, that, all is, that, that, that we don't need physical boundaries is a mistake. You've got to be careful. If you're looking at someone other than your spouse to meet deep emotional needs in your life, you're heading for trouble. You're playing with fire. And it can destroy you and your marriage. It is wise to have certain emotional and physical boundaries put in place. And adultery, above all, is not uh, going to solve your problems in your marriage. It's only going to create more. You know, Jesus says that he levels the playing field here. Like you might say, oh, well, you know, I've been married for so many years and I've never committed adultery. But Jesus says, if you've even looked at a woman in lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. So who hasn't done that? Dads, I want to speak to you for a second. When you're holding your son's hand, you're walking down the, uh, down the street, and you look at a woman in lust, what you're communicating to your son is that's what's attractive. That's what you should be attracted to. When you're holding your daughter's hand, and you look at a woman in lust, what you're communicating to your daughter is that's how I have to look to gain the attention of my father or a man. Be careful. Be careful what we're doing. Adultery is not about love, it's about selfishness. Love will never fracture a person's family. Love will never lead you to destroy your spouse or your children. Love will never lead you to violate the seventh commandment. And love will never lead you to break the heart of God. The Bible says, but among you, 
There must not be a, even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity because these are improper for God's holy people. It takes more than good intentions to remain sexually pure. It takes a plan. It takes a commitment. And don't make a mistake of assuming that, that you've got all this figured out. God tells us in his word this. He says, so if you think that you are standing firm, be, be careful that you do not fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. We think we got this on lock and we're not paying attention to it. It's going to bite you. Again, some of you are thinking, this is a great message. I've been married for so many years. I, I love my husband or wife so much, and this will never happen to me. Don't kid yourself. Nobody is immune. It can happen to anyone. And that's why we must make firm commitments to, this, to, to make a plan around this. We all have to make a choice when it comes to the matter of sexual purity. To live according to God's standard is the way that we should go. Sexually, sexual immorality is a sin, and God has never changed that standard. He never will. Adultery is a sin. God is not influenced by the changing standards of our culture. And one of these days that we will stand before God and give an account for everything that we've done, and we will give an account for the way we handled the gift of sexuality. I have good news, again. I've been trying to lace the good news of Jesus through this message. Because who has not been touched by this? Who has not violated this commandment if Jesus brings it down to even looking at a woman in lust? That leads me to the final principle. I promise it's the final principle today. You can be forgiven and healed from every sexual sin. That God is prepared to forgive us of, of our sin uh, when we repent and turn to him in faith. To repent means not to only be sorry for our sin, but, but to be so sorry enough to change to do something different, to honor God, to, set, to live by his standards. The guilt and the shame resulting from sexual sin can be overwhelming. And if you've struggled in this, in this area, I want you to know that this church is the place for you. If you've struggled in this area, Encounter is the place for you. We are a church that, uh, of flawed people who have only put their faith in Jesus. And the moment that you put your faith in Jesus, you can be forgiven and given the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise for you and for your children and for all who are, uh, and to everyone, I'm sorry, <clears throat> back up. For the promise is for you and for your children, for all who, for everyone, that's not what it says. What does it say? are far off. I'm glad I know the scripture enough that that's a type error. That's cool. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, he'll bring to himself, he'll cause, he calls to himself. God is giving everyone the opportunity to repent of their sin, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. When you repent and put your faith in Jesus, God says that the Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you to, to, to bring you this new life in Christ. That you can have this renewal in your life. If you want more, to know more about Jesus, you want to know about more about becoming a member of this church, to be baptized, uh, to, what it means to receive the Holy Spirit, join the one-on-one class. We want you to be part of it. What does it look like to heal? Two-on-one class. What does it want to, to, to get, to see, we, we don't just want to get wider as a church, we want to get deeper in our faith too. We, we also love you enough that we're going to tell you the truth like we did today. We won't turn a blind eye to sin and pretend that things are acceptable to God. 
But, but know this, is that Encounter is a community of forgiven sinners where nobody here is professing perfection. But I believe this wholeheartedly, that confessed sexual sin is forgiven sin. 100%, as far as the east is from the west, your sins are forgiven. The Bible says that, listen to this, but you were washed. He, like, like, listen to this, man, because Paul is talking specifically about sexual immorality here. He says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Sex is a great thing. It is God's idea. It's a good idea. It's a wonderful expression of love and intimacy, intimacy in the confines of a marriage. But like a fire, when used improperly, it can destroy us. And so we have to be careful. God establishes these basic family values for our benefit. These rules are good, but when we don't play by the rules, we can get hurt. And God doesn't want that to happen to you, neither do we want that to happen to you. <clears throat> Whatever is God is calling you to do today, repent of your sin. Maybe he, 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 he's calling you to maybe talk to the person that has violated you, that violated this commandment and it's affected you. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a, it's a former relationship. If that's a safe place to go and, and, and tell them that you've forgiven them because of what Jesus has done, then do it. Seek reconciliation to those areas. Some of you have not forgiven your parents for, for this. And maybe that's the key. Maybe some of you have not forgiven yourself. And you need to, you need to just confess, I, I've not been believing the gospel wholeheartedly. I've made this grave mistake and, and I, need to put this, I need to put this before Jesus. I pray that you will. <clears throat> I'm going to close. We'll pray and we'll respond in worship. Amen? Amen? Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you, above all, have been faithful. That you made a commitment, God, to live by the Father's standards. You did that perfectly, Jesus, because you knew that we couldn't. And because of you, we have a Savior. Because of you, we have the Spirit of God that lives within every believer to overcome the temptations of sexual sin. I pray for those who are here today, God, that, that have crossed that line, that have experienced just the havoc and the, the wrecking of, of what, the consequence of what happens when, when we take that step. God, would you, would they know your forgiveness? Would they know that you're a God of grace and mercy? Would they also know that you have what it takes to overcome those things and to heal from them? God, would relationships be restored because of what we've heard today? We pray for your leading in their lives through your spirit. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.